8.44 nearly, Korea Explained with Jim Bully, business and sports editor of the Korea Joang Daily. And we're talking about the FINA World Championships, Gwangju 2019. Not so much about medals and athletes, but more about interesting facts and what this means for Korea. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, actually, I, I think we can use as a launch pad here uh, a headline from the Guardian newspaper. Uh, actually, though, it was written by AFP, uh, the, the story. Uh, so they picked this up from that wire. But uh, tears of joy as South Korea's water polo team score but concede 94. It uh, describes a 64-0 defeat record, um, followed by 30-1 to loss. But there were literally tears of joy, not of sadness, um, because uh, they made this comparison with Eric the Eel Musambani, who was a swimmer who was certainly not elite, who um, drew a lot of praise a few years ago uh, at the Olympics for his uh, resilience and, and defiance in finishing a race, even when he was a bit behind his competitors. Yeah, so this is like, a, I guess, another one of these underdog stories, um, although underdogs that will stay underdogs that kind of caught the attention of the global media the korean water polo team when you when you're the host of a sporting event you tend to get um a kind of buy into every competition now korea doesn't really have a water polo team it's not really a water polo playing nation but it needed a water polo team because it had a slot in the tournament um so the korean water polo team scoring a goal might not seem like a big deal but it is when you consider the fact that it is this team's first ever goal and it wasn't really what anyone expected uh to happen they weren't particularly expected to score anything the fact that they scored a goal and then there's also this nice story where you know in the excitement the ball um the goal sort of scoring ball went back into the mix and afterwards the korean team were like i it would have been quite nice to have that ball for our first ever goal. And then that kind of became this story that was picked up in Korea and in international media. Yes, I saw that. You know, yeah. that's, that's the way that a baseball player gets the ball from their first home run or um, a football player gets a, gets the ball from the penalty they scored to win the World Cup. The Korean team would have quite liked the ball from their first ever goal, but they uh, couldn't rustle it up. There, there was um, a quote here. Goal scorer Kyung Dasul was the toast of Gwangju after finding the net in the final quarter to trigger tearful scenes. The 18-year-old said she would cherish the memory, but was sad not to keep the ball as a memento. Uh, as you just said, she said, I'd love to have the ball, but I have no idea where it's gone. I'd be grateful if someone found it for me. It's um, it, it's actually reflective of the young age of the team. She's 18. It's a team of teenagers, pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, it's a team of teenagers that's only really existed for a month. So, you know, you can understand scoring a goal is a big deal. Um I think it's a nice story. Some international media chose to run that AFP story with a slightly mocking headline, but, you know, good on them. I mean, it's a water polo team that didn't exist a month ago. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Eric the Eel comparison, just to explain a little bit further, this was an Equatorial Guinea swimmer who actually had to cling to the lane rope when he was performing at the, uh, not performing, competing at the 2000 Sydney Olympics. It was almost like a performance, though, the way the uh, response came about. Um, but he was, it wasn't just mocking. He was genuinely praised and loved, I think. And it was a, I, I guess you could say, Eddie the Eagle type uh, heartwarming Olympic story. Uh, even if uh, Eddie the Eagle's story has made it onto the silver screen, I don't know whether the water polo team will get there. Um, so that's one of the stories that's drawn huge attention around this championship. But th- there are genuinely elite performers there as well representing South Korea yeah I, I know we're not here to talk about medals but we should 
perhaps just clarify that South Korea has had, for example, Marine boy Park Tae-hwan in the past, who's been uh, right at the top of the game, and uh, there are certainly hopes in the pool. Yeah, and it is worth mentioning that the reason why um, you're seeing a lot of stories about this kind of thing, about diving, where... Um, Korea has meddled about open water competitions is because the swimming, the regular swimming, which is generally a more famous and popular event, hasn't actually started yet. Swimming races in swimming pools, open water swimming has uh, has started, but swimming races in swimming pools will start this coming Sunday. So you maybe see a lot more um, news around that kind of thing coming up. This is also a big deal for Guangzhou generally, isn't it? Having 2,600 athletes from 194 countries all descending on the city. Uh, and and it, it's not like it's a local swimming competition where this is happening. The whole world's attention's on this. Yeah, and it's a big deal for Korea as well because the FINA World Championships is one of sort of what's considered to be the five mega sports events, the global sporting events, um, along with the Summer and Winter Olympics, the FIFA World Cup, the IAAF, uh, the Athletics Federation World Championship, and the FINA World Championships. And Korea is now one of only four countries in the world to have hosted all five. And uh, we could do a trivia question, name the other three, but you know the answer. I do, and I've written it down, so you do too. But the 1988 (laughs) Seoul Summer Olympics, the 2018 PyeongChang Winter Olympics, the 2002 Korea-Japan FIFA World Cup, the 2011 Daegu World Championships in Athletics, and the 2019 FINA World Championships, Guangzhou. And only Germany, Italy, and Japan share the honour. Yeah, exactly. And that's quite a big deal. You know, I mean, these events... Of course, they're expensive for host countries to host, but they come with a certain amount of prestige, uh, and they also come with a big influx of tourism and people in the country. Uh, and in the case of the Guangzhou World Championships, they've done quite well in terms of costs, because the big danger with hosting one of these events, as we've seen with many, many Olympics in the past, is that when the event is over, you're left with a lot of costly facilities um, and very little use for them. In the case of the Guangzhou World Championships, they've kind of balanced that out. First of all, Guangzhou hosted the um, Universiad a few years back in 2015, and they've reused some of the venues from that. And then a lot of the other venues, and it's hard to believe with swimming pools, but a lot of the other venues are temporary venues that can be taken down and shipped off to Tokyo next year for the Olympics. So this is a big issue, uh, hosting sporting events. We had all the criticism around... uh Pyeongchang and whether those venues would leave a legacy. Uh, the starting 11 football team at Tosan University, they've had to endure a little bit of inconvenience, but I guess they can't complain too much. Yeah, so football teams um, at a couple of Guangzhou universities have been inconvenienced by the fact that their football pitches have now become world-class uh, aquatics venues. So the, the More than just a little waterlogged then. Yeah, exactly. But it's quite impressive because these venues have been built above ground. You know, so even the diving swimming pool, um, which uh, is in the, I think it's the Choson University. Yeah, the Choson University uh, football pitch is now home to the six meter deep diving pool built above ground with the stands built above ground. And it's all built out of sort of steel framework and stuff. So these events can go on. And then when they're over, they can literally just take down that pool and ship it off for the Olympics next year. It's the same for the uh, water polo pool over at Nambu University, again, on the football pitches. So unfortunately, the Nambu University football team are also out of action. Um, But again, the pool is built on... um, their football pitch and can be taken down without any interruption to the facilities that exist. If you can build temporary venues and remove them quite easily without 
incurring some huge cost. And if you don't need all those water facilities going forward, it makes most sense to go down that route, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, some of the changes have been a bit more invasive, I suppose, at um, Yomju Gymnasium, which is where the uh, artistic swimming events are being held. It's a handball court that they took the floor up, dug a massive hole, put a swimming pool in um, for those events. But then when it's over, they're going to take the swimming pool out, put all the whatever come out of the hole, the ground back in, put the floor back down, and you'll have a handball court again. That is a much more difficult procedure than the football pitches, but still should return all the facilities to what they were before. To make a comparison, I've seen uh, ice hockey games take place in London, for example, when they've taken place in like Wembley, for example, Wembley uh, Arena, the indoor version, uh, which uh, definitely is very versatile. And I think when you see the the lengths that venues will go to around the world to temporarily adapt themselves, it's obviously not out of sync with the norm basketball events in places where basketball doesn't take place um we even recently saw for example an mlb encounter between the yankees and the red sox at a a football stadium in london yeah and the you know these things are getting easier to do as technology advances it's easier and easier and easier to have materials you can use to make a temporary stadium you know the big issue is is that for a lot of these things especially swimming pools you still need a huge massive heavy steel framework that's the thing with that much water, isn't it? You, yeah. you can't just stick it anywhere. But uh, I mean, even setting up a large paddling pool is a hassle for any parents out there who've had to do that this summer. <laughs> They'll sympathise, perhaps. Yeah, and I was concerned about how much it would look like a large paddling pool. But they look right. like completely professional venues that you'd see anywhere with the stands coming up around them. Nice. Um, so, so as technology advances, this becomes much, much more doable. So if, if uh, there's been a lot of attention and expense spared in getting the venues ready and up to top-notch standard, uh, the same can't be said for the players' uniforms. Yeah, so this is a story that's uh, come out in the last week um, that some Korean athletes competing in the games were wearing unofficial uniforms which had company logos on them which then had to be covered up with with like gaffer tape yeah i was one i saw a photo of this and i thought the person had covered up the word korea and i thought well, this is a very unpatriotic act but it wasn't that at all then it was just covering up a corporate name yeah so you're not allowed to wear um clothes with corporate names on them in the in the event so some players had the, the Korean um, Swimming Federation hadn't been able to secure uniforms or enough uniforms in time. Um, they hadn't managed to make a contract. So players were given regular off the rack tracksuits and things to wear outside the pool, which were branded and then had to cover them up themselves, sometimes write Korea on the back themselves. Um, and the basic the problem was is that they they originally tried to make a contract with a company. They didn't work out the terms, so they left it there, went away, spent a few months trying to find someone else, realized they couldn't, and then went back to that original company. And by that point, it was too late to get the uniforms made. So if I saw the name Korea in there, it was maybe part of the branding of the company in question rather than um, being just Korea on its own. As I said, I, I was a bit confused by that. Well, yeah, some, some athletes may have had uh, branded shirts by now, but they wouldn't have been covered up with gaffer tape by this stage everyone should now have it but again there are issues because uh even after they started scrambling to get the correct uniform they the caps the swimming caps that open water swimmers wear are not allowed to carry the flag of a country and the ones they got had the flag on not kor for korea so then suddenly minutes before the race started literally they had to find someone to get some white caps and write on with marker pens kor for all the swimmers so that's kind of been an embarrassment a lot of fans have picked up on and 
we've actually had that point highlighted by 7615. Text in and say, couldn't believe they couldn't prep their uniforms in advance. Felt embarrassed. Yeah, was, and it was is. Was it oversight? I, I think it was uh, maybe a sort of bureaucratic committee kind of issue. But it is embarrassing because... I mean, we know that Korea is not a great swimming country, so at least doing it in style and, and you know, hosting the event well is important. There's a lot we could say about these venues, by the way, and facilities. Should more schools have access to swimming pools, for example, uh, instead of these very small inner city indoor pool offerings that are sometimes the case? 4106, I think synchronized swimming is one of the most challenging sports, deserves more attention. By the way, I think, uh, A, that's true, and B, the same could be said of water polo. Credit to those teenagers who, like, took it up and formed a team yeah. in a hurry and got out there. You're up against Olympic medalists and you're scoring a goal. And, like, water polo, you can't just rest your legs, can you? You've got to keep swimming yeah. and then worry about the ball. I mean, anyone who's ever tried to do anything looking <laughs> dignified in a swimming pool should yes. know that all of these sports are incredibly challenging, much more than they look. Right, that's our show for today. Thank you very much. We'll be back Monday, 7.05. Your news headlines coming up next.